0: John 17, beginning in verse 20, is where we're going to be today. If you'll find your Bible, in your Bible, that place. Here at Grace Community Church, you may be visiting with us. And what we've been doing is listening in on Jesus' final teaching, his final instruction, his final encouragement to his disciples. Just before his arrest, just before his trial, just before his crucifixion, John 14, 16, 15, 16, we've listened in to Jesus talk to his disciples. And now, in the past several weeks, we've been listening in to the final prayer that Jesus prayed. Actually, we've been hearing him as he lifted up. John 17 begins with these words He lifted up his eyes to heaven. And he started praying. We've been listening in to this prayer. This is very important for us this morning as we look at this passage. We hear in the final words of Jesus and the final prayer of Jesus, we hear words and we hear a prayer for us. We've been listening in to Jesus talk to disciples. We've been listening in to Jesus pray for disciples. But what we're hearing is Jesus teach, instruct, and pray for us because finally we have come to that verse in john 17 that says i do not ask for these only but also for those who believe in me through their word that is the church and so what jesus has taught and prayed is for us from the day of pentecost all the way to today and will continue until christ returns people have been coming to faith in Jesus Christ and being added to the church. And so, here we are. Here we are. We are those people. This is one of those times when you want to be those people. We are the people of Christ by grace through faith. We've heard We've believed in Jesus because we have heard and read the words of John and Peter and Matthew and other witnesses of the apostles who recorded the New Testament, like Luke and Paul and John Mark and James and Jude. We're here because of this. It's exactly what Jesus prayed for. I'm praying for these in front of me and all who will believe in me through their word. What a gift of grace that this morning we locate ourselves in history. That's what everybody wants to do, right? Locate themselves in history. Where do I belong? Here is where we belong. This is where we find ourselves. We're so been give, given the gift of grace to locate ourselves in history and to find our identity in Christ and in the people of Christ. Who are, who are we? We are the people who belong to Jesus Christ. It's all by grace. He's praying for us right here today as we come to the final section, the final prayer. I've got to read the text in a moment, but I'm preaching. I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. Today, as we come to the final section in Jesus' prayer before the cross, which closes out the final teaching, this is what we're going to see and hear. We're going to see and hear who we are. We are those who belong to Christ. And we're going to see and hear where we are in history. We are in the in-between time, between Jesus praying this and going to the Father and his second coming when he will gather us all to himself. This is so important. Christian? Church, it is so important that we stop and regularly remind ourselves and and encourage one another about who we are and where we belong, else we will not find ourselves in Christ and in his people and chase after everything else in this world. The prayer of John 17 is where we are. Jesus prayed to God the Father. And he asked the Father just before his crucifixion that the Father would give him glory through the crucifixion so that the Son, through his crucifixion, would glorify God. And then Jesus turned and started praying for his people, his disciples. And he said, Father, keep them in your name, keep them in faith in you, Father, keep them from the evil one. Keep them from the attacks, the testing, the temptations, the accusations of the evil one. Father, keep my people faithful in this world. And then he prayed, we saw it last week, Father, sanctify them. Set them apart in truth. And today we hear him say, Father, make them one. Make them one. Now, it's a beautiful oneness, and it's a oneness that includes several aspects that we intend to look at today and remind ourselves as we read this passage stand with me in honor of god's word john 17 beginning in verse 20 jesus said this i do not ask for these only but also for those who will believe in me through their word that they may all be one just as you father are in me and i in you that they also may be in us i desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where i am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world O righteous father even though the world does not know you i know you and these know you and know that you have sent me i made known to them your name and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. This is God's word. You may be seated. There's an ask here. It's in verses 20 and 21. And the, the ask is simple. Verse 20, Jesus asks for those who believe in him Through the word of the apostles. The word of the apostles is the witness to Christ. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ by which we are forgiven of our sins and brought into life in God. Jesus asked for those who believe in him through this word, the word of the apostles. And then verse 21, the ask is that they may be one. Jesus died for a people. We talked about this last week and even the past several weeks. Jesus died for a people. Many people. Many peoples, that is a lot of people from all the people groups of the world. And he died that they would become one people in God. That one people is his church. And here, Jesus is asking the Father to do what Jesus actually died to do. Now once again, I hope this is landing on you the way it should. Once again, we are seeing and hearing spiritual and eternal things happening between God the Father, and God the Son, and we just stand in amazement. Once again, we are, we are listening in, we are peering in. We've been given a window into communication that is happening between God the Father and God the Son about eternal, important, ultimate things just just listen to it just look at it and be amazed you say what's the application be amazed he's talking about saving a people as their plan the plan of the father and the son i'm asking for those who will believe in me through their word. He's talking about how the Father has sent the Son for this purpose. And how the Son, Jesus, will accomplish this purpose at the cross. And how the Son, Jesus, is now asking the Father to grant that very purpose. It's between God the Father and God the Son. We're just listening in. But where do we belong in this? We get included by grace. That's the stunning part of this this prayer being written down for us to read. We get to read it by grace. We get shown these things. We're let in to this great work of God in human history from all of eternity. We find ourselves in this plan and in this purpose. Where are you finding yourself today? Where are you trying to identify today? What what group are you trying to be a part of today? Where are you finding your significance and your meaning and your purpose today? Right here it is. We find ourselves in this plan, this purpose, this prayer, this communication between the Father and the Son. We are let in on what Jesus wants. And what Jesus will do for his church. That's the beautiful part of this prayer. So Jesus is praying that the church would be one, that his people would be one. And as we read through this, there are several parts, several aspects of this oneness that come to the surface that we're going to lift out today and look at. There's seven of them, and I know many of you like to keep count. Some of you like, don't like for me to say seven because it makes you nervous. About three-quarters of the way through the sermon, I'll be on point three, and you're really getting nervous. I'm watching the clock. But some of you want the numbers. There are seven. We're going to find ourselves here as the church. Jesus is praying for these things. Jesus has accomplished every one of the things that we're going to talk about by his death, and now he's praying that they will happen as granted by the Father. This is the prayer of Jesus he prays that the church would be one the church is one number one the church is one because it believes in the word he gave to the Apostles this is the oneness that we have and the oneness that Jesus prays for the church is one because the church believes in the word that he has given to the Apostles verse 20 I do not ask for these alone but also for those who will believe in me through their word. He's talking about the apostles. It's it's their word because he gave it to them. We believe in the words of the apostles, not because they are the apostles, but because Jesus designated the apostles by giving them his word so that by his word we could be saved. He said this in John 17, verse 8, a few weeks ago, he said, I have given them your word. And the words of the apostles are recorded in the New Testament. These are the, as we said, the words of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ is primarily about Jesus Christ. It's about his eternal nature. He's the preexistent, incarnate, took on flesh, savior eternal nature incarnate took on flesh to himself he lived a perfect life that's important because when we become christians we don't have any righteousness of our own and god does something very amazing through faith in jesus god takes jesus righteousness his and he credits it to us counts it as ours and we are made righteous we're not righteous in ourselves jesus is the righteous one but he counts it as ours. This is how we stand before God. His substitution The gospel is his substitutionary death. He took our sin on himself as our substitute and died for it so that we could be forgiven of this sin. The gospel is his resurrection. On the third day, he rose from the dead, declaring himself the victor over sin and death and the devil himself. The gospel declares the lordship of Jesus Christ the final victory of Jesus Christ, the return of Jesus Christ. It's all about Christ. Where you say, "Well, where do we get into the gospel? Here it is. The gospel tells us that we are sinners. It tells us that we are poor and needy, like David prayed, and we prayed a moment ago. We are bankrupt. We have nothing as we stand before God. We present God nothing. We have no righteousness of our own, not one shred. We are sinners. He said, I thought the gospel was good news. It's very good news for sinners. It's exceptionally good news for people who know that we have absolutely nothing to bring before God to justify ourselves before this holy God. We are in rebellion against him. And this gospel is a call to repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. And Jesus says he's praying for people who do that through the word of the apostles. One point here to note is that this is how the church comes into being. The church is created by the spirit and the word. God gave the word through Christ to the apostles who passed it on to us. So that we would believe it and receive it and become His church. The Word does its work by drawing people to faith in Christ. And those people drawn to faith in Christ then become one. That's the Word of Christ. I believe it's happening right now. I'm praying that it's happening right now. That in this room, as the Word is going forth... It's the word of the apostles because Jesus gave it to them. I'm just preaching their words. And that God is using that word to draw people to himself. And that drawing people to himself, we will be one. This also tells us not only how the church comes into being through the word and the gospel, but that our oneness as a church is only a reality when it is based on the word. When the truth of Christ recorded by the apostles is what we believe and what we receive and what we adhere to. All of the word recorded by the apostles of Christ is the truth. All of it. We get included in the prayer and by faith in the word of the apostles. We must know and believe the truth in order to be one. That's the point. Well, this raises the question, doesn't it? What is the relationship between unity and truth? Jesus said, go back up one verse to verse 19, sanctify them in truth. Now he's talking about his word. His word is truth. What is the relationship between unity and truth? Can there be unity without unity in the truth? Well, there are two contrasting opinions that I'll share with you by giving you two quotes from two different people. The question is, what is the relationship between truth and unity uh, or can there be true unity without truth? And here's one opinion. This was given by an Anglican or, or I'm sorry an Episcopal Bishop in 2004 when the Episcopal Church was experiencing a lot of conflict and controversy over biblical doctrine and morality in the gospel itself. And this is what the bishop said. If you must make a choice between heresy and schism, always choose heresy. Now, I don't know how that landed. You might have gotten confused in the words because they're big words. So let me repeat it. If you must make a choice between heresy and schism, Heresy is what's not true, and schism is division. If you must make a choice between heresy and division, always choose heresy. Now what the bishop is saying here is that it's more important for us to have peace among ourselves than it is to believe the truth and have unity around the truth. Here's another contrasting opinion. This is from William Hendrickson, who I read a lot of in the Gospel of John commenting on this verse he said believers should always yearn for peace but never for a peace at the expense of truth for unity which has been gained by this means the expense of truth such the sacrifice of truth is not worthy of the name so he is saying that if you say you have unity but you set aside the truth you really do not have unity Because Christian unity is unity in the truth. This is what Jesus is praying for. Oneness, unity in the word, by the word, in the word of the apostles, the truth, not at the expense of it. One more word about this. By word, we mean all of the Scripture. Some today will say that they believe in the historic confessions and creeds of the church. And still, having confessed the historic creeds and confessions of the church, they still may fall into heresy. How how can that be? Because the historic confessions and creeds of the church address only certain topics, only certain doctrines. They are important. But they are not to be taken as representing all of what the Scripture teaches. Nor are they to be a substitute for the whole Bible. So our unity is in the truth. And as the confessions and creeds of the church speak, say, of the Trinity, we say, amen. We can agree with the historic creeds and confessions of the church to say God is one in three persons, the Trinity. But that's as far as that confession goes. And there's more to the Bible. The Bible also has a teaching, an orthodox teaching, about Christian morality, relating to topics such as racism and sexuality and gender and marriage and money and justice. These are just as much a part of God's revealed word to us as what we might find in a historic confession or creed. It's the whole council. That we are seeking to understand and believe and have our oneness in. Jesus said, I do not ask for these alone, but for all those who believe in me through their word, the gospel, and all of Scripture. Second point the church is one because it is in God. The church is in God. Verse 21. That they, he's praying for them who believe in the word of the apostles, that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us. The church is in God. It's a spiritual statement. It might be a bit of a mysterious statement to you to be in God. I know we would rather hear something like, go do this. It's a lot more practical to say, go, just go do this. But what Jesus is saying is very important because this is who we are. We are actually in, the church is in God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Here, it's the Son talking to the Father, two persons of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit makes three, yet they are one. There's that historic confession that we adhere to. So in God, union with Christ, in the Spirit, we together are one. This is the message of the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 4. He said we are eager as Christians to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace because we are one body in God. One God and Father. One spirit, one Lord. We just read that a moment ago. We are one in God. We find ourselves in God. Now, here's a very practical way that helps us. To be in God means that nothing, nothing will touch the church of the Lord Jesus Christ without God's oversight, care, watchfulness sovereign care over his people we're in God why why is he letting things happen to his people around the world today somehow he will we somehow meaning not it's not somehow to him he knows exactly we don't always understand how he is going to glorify his own name and put down his enemies to the praise and glory of Jesus Christ as Lord beyond that we say we are yours We're in God. Denominations, different styles, distinct congregations do not threaten our oneness as the church in God. Jesus is not referring to oneness of institution and organization here. He's referring to one church, including people from all these different parts who are in the faith once for all delivered to the saints... And the church in faith is, in essence, one because it's in God. So as long as Grace Community Church on this corner and Bethel Church on that corner, across the street, are in God, as long as we are in the faith once for all delivered to the saints, then we are one. We are of a different Christian denomination. We have a... We have a much different style of worship. And if you've ever visited, you'll understand what I mean. We have a different church culture. But we are one. Jesus accomplished that on the cross. And Jesus is praying for that in this prayer. And we respect that and we receive that and we rejoice in that. Number three, the church is one because it has received the glory of God in Christ. Verse 22, the glory that you have given me, I have given them that they may be one even as we are one. Now this glory that he's talking about here, the glory that God gave the Son, the Son's given to us, is the glory of God's revelation of himself in Christ. This is not self-glory. This is not self-glory. It is a distortion of, of the gospel to say that if you come to Jesus Christ, he'll glorify you. If by that you mean in your own glory. It is the gospel to say when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, he'll get us into his glory. And that's what he's talking about here. The glory is not our glory. It's the revelation of God's glory in the person of Jesus Christ given to us so that we may know and love and worship him and then reflect his glory in the world as God's glory God's nature God's ways God's works as God's glory is made known to the church in Christ then we are unified in him That's what Jesus died for, and that's what he prays for. Number four, the church is one because it is filled with God. God is in us. Verse 23, I in them and you in me that they may become perfectly one. Now Jesus already said that the church is in God we're protected by him, we're cared for him, we belong to him. Now, he says that God is in the church. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 3 says this is an amazing passage. Paul says so much about knowing the love of God in Christ and knowing all the dimensions of the love of God in Ephesians chapter 3 and then he says So that we will be filled up with the fullness of God. God in Christ, by the Spirit in us, makes us one. Jesus died for this, and He is praying for this. And we receive this, and we respect this, and we rejoice in this. I am made aware regularly. And I want to be more aware that when I walk into the congregation, because you see, the congregation, the congregation is a local expression of the church. So we say the church is filled with God. When I walk into the local congregation, this one called Grace Community Church, this is what I want to be aware of. God is here. God is with us. God is in us. And if I'm aware of that, if you are aware of that, and that that truth lands on us when we walk into the congregation, now that will change us. You see, that is something to be received and respected and rejoiced in, that God is here. Number five, the church is one because the church will share in the future glory of Christ, we will share in it. Now, this is where we get the glory. We come into Christ's glory. Verse 24 Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. I mean, think of that. That before the foundation of the world, the glory that the Son of God had given by the Father God, the Spirit of God being there too, the great Trinity, one God, three in one, the glory that was shared among them, Jesus is actually praying that someday as he has now returned to that glory, that he will receive the church to himself and we will always be with him and we will partake, participate in, receive, respect and rejoice in the very glory of Jesus Christ that he had from all of eternity. This is our future. I confess to you that I am a fearful person. I fear the future. I'm that guy that is always waiting for the bad thing to happen. I'm the yeah, but guy. Isn't this great? Yeah, but. Tomorrow's a new day and a new opportunity for the world to cave in. We need this. In oneness, together, in Christ, we, the church, paid for, redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, will now be brought into his glory. He prayed for this, and he paid for this. We will not be asked to show a credit card to see this glory. He has paid for it. Christian, be encouraged by this. You will see Him face to face. And friend, be drawn, be awakened by this, be called by this. God is calling you. He's calling you to turn from your sin and believe in Jesus Christ so that your future will be a future of glory with Him. God is a God of glory. God is a God of perfection. Christ is glorious. And yet all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. all have sinned. Not one of us can stand before His glory and our own merits. You will not say in front of the presence of God, but look what I did. But I tried, but my motives were good. I wasn't as bad as well. It's not going to be relevant. It won't even come out of our mouths. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And Jesus Christ came and died an inglorious death. In our place in your place friend in your place and repentance and faith repentance and faith turning forsaking no longer trusting in any of your own goodness no longer setting any other idols of self or anything else above Christ in your life turning from that Putting your whole weight of your whole existence and your whole being and all of your eternity onto Jesus Christ alone. This is faith. That is what restores us to God through the forgiveness of our sins. And all who believe in Him in this way are promised a future in Christ's glory. And we'll be there as one together. Come to faith in Christ. And, Christian, Be encouraged by faith in Christ. Number six, the church is one because God's love is in us. Verse 26, I have made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Do you remember the name of Jesus we talked about or the name of God we talked about the last few weeks? It's God's character, it's God's ways, it's God's being. Well, do you know that Jesus is making known to us God's name right here? What is that name? Here's God's name. God is love. He is love. That's his name. John wrote that in the book of 1 John over and over. The whole book is about God's name of love. And Jesus said, I've made it known, and I'm going to continue to make it known to them. Paul said, the Holy Spirit in the life of a Christian is right now pouring God's love into every heart that belongs to him. That we might know his love. Jesus continues to make it known that his love may be in us. And the love of Christ in us is a love that is expressed through us. The effect of God's love on us is that it flows to other people. This is the whole message of the book of 1 John. Read it when you go home today. It's beautiful. And number seven, and finally, the oneness of the church is a witness to the world. Verses 21 and 23, both Use this phrase, that the world may know, that the world may believe that you have sent me. And verse 23 actually says, and that you loved them. This is what happens. When when Christ died on the cross, he secured this church, made them one, keeps them in the world to live as one. And through that oneness that Jesus paid for and is praying for, the world then sees and comes to know and believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, which is the whole purpose of the book of John. The world comes to know and believe that the Father loves His church, and that too draws people to Christ. You see, the world... We could say in John 17, Jesus didn't pray for the world. He only pra- prayed for his church. Yes, he prayed for his church, but he had the world in view the whole time. Because everything he prayed for his church, to be kept in God's name, to be kept from the evil one, to be sanctified in the truth, to become one in these ways, every bit of this is Jesus viewing through the church a world that God would continually draw people out of and continue to build his church. That's the, that is the eternal plan of God. And we have peered into it in the prayer of Jesus. We can pray this prayer for the church. It's difficult, though, isn't it? Lord, we pray for the church, like all the Christians everywhere around the world, and your mind goes numb, and you say, I can't. It's too big. I can't do it. We should anyway, but I can understand that. So let's bring this home. We can pray and we can pay special attention to this congregation. This congregation is a physical expression of that church. And we can pray and we can pay special attention to this congregation that we would hear the prayer of Jesus, that, that we would be in the name, the character, the faith of God, that we would be kept from the evil one, that we, Grace Community Church, would be sanctified in the truth, that we would be one in the ways that Jesus has laid out here, and that we then would be to this city, to Nashville, to Middle Tennessee, that testimony that Jesus Christ has been sent by God from God to be the Savior of the world. That's what we find in this passage. Let's receive it. Father in heaven, thank you for your word today. Oh, Lord, we thank you and we praise you for it.